Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Bible teaching ministry of A Love Outreach. Today we will continue on in our study of the book of Acts. So please go ahead and open up your Bibles if you're able to do so to Acts chapter 2. And just another reminder that if you're were not with us, if you were not with us when we studied the first chapter of Acts, uh, you can very easily access that teaching via SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or from our website by finding us under the name of A Love Outreach. We have over 300 teachings or so in audio format out there that you can access and take your time in learning the Word of God in a practical life application manner. Now, just a fair warning to you, we are going to be covering a whole lot of verses in the Bible today, but I encourage you to hang in there and follow along with us for the next hour or so. If you need to take a break, that's the beauty of a recorded teaching like this. You can always go back and pick up um, wherever you left off. But jumping on into our verses for today, um, verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So as we looked at chapter 1 of Acts in our last study of this book, we saw where Jesus had told his disciples in verse 8 that they would receive power when the Holy Ghost had come upon them and that they would then be witnesses to him in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, Jesus told them. So Jesus had given them a command to not leave Jerusalem, but rather to wait there until they received the power that he had promised them. And in their obedience to him, they were the beneficiaries of that power. Okay? So there is indeed power in obedience when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And the disciples are seeing the result of their obedience to the Lord, to the commands of the Lord. He commanded them to go and wait in Jerusalem until they received that power, right? And Jesus did indeed do what he said he would do, and he sent upon them the Holy Spirit to empower them to be his witnesses in and throughout all of the earth. And beginning in verse 5, this is exactly what had had happened, right? It says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And that's going to be key to our study today, so keep that in mind, okay? Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygeria and Pamphylia, Egypt and and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs or Arabs, right? We hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. 
So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Okay, so this is what the tongues were that the Holy Spirit had given them in Jerusalem. They were languages that were understood by people present from every nation that had existed during that period of time. And that word nation there, as we see it in verse 5, speaks of every ethnicity. The Greek word that was used there is the word ethnos, okay? So there was a representation of every people group there in Jerusalem at that time. It was the Feast of Passover. Now, before uh, the Feast of Pentecost, excuse me, but before we move on too quickly from this topic of tongues, I'm going to spend the rest of this teaching talking about that. So we're going to kind of cut away from our study in the book of Acts here, and we're going to talk about this topic of tongues, right? So here we see a very specific purpose for this activity produced by the Holy Spirit in the lives of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Everyone that was in that room that night when the Holy Spirit came upon them they all spoke in tongues. That is, they spoke another language that was known to the people that were out in the streets of Jerusalem that night. So the Holy Spirit knew exactly what he was doing when the power of the, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and came upon them and the languages they received, they were the languages of the people that are out on the street that night, okay? People from every ethnic group. And all those people were hearing about the wonderful works of God in their own language. So there was a purpose in the work of the Spirit on that wonderful and most amazing night. People were hearing something that ultimately would lead many of them to being born again themselves of the Spirit. They were given the opportunity to repent, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was God's gift of grace. Okay, they were being given that opportunity now. And here there are empowered preachers going out, speaking in the language of these people. Okay, Jesus, they all thought Jesus was dead and gone at this point in time. But by his spirit, his work would carry on in the lives of those that believed on his name, right? There would now be thousands of followers of Jesus carrying out his work, carrying out his will throughout all the world. And those people still exist today. Portions of those visitors there in Jerusalem that night would go back to their own people. Think about that. They were hearing all of these wonderful works of God, right? And they're going to go back and tell their people about the wonderful works of God that these people were spouting from their mouths that night, right? These, these spirit-filled believers. They were going to hear, they were hearing the truth about God, the truth about Jesus, eternal life. The gospel message would begin to spread at this time throughout all the world as it continues to do today. And that is the purpose of this teaching ministry that you are partaking in right now as you watch or listen. We desire to continue to spread the message of the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ throughout the world, right? But is this the only time the Bible speaks of tongues? Well, it's not, right? And sure, this was a wonderful gift of the Spirit but did it all cease on that night that we read about here? Or did tongues carry on? Well, go ahead and, and mark this page and turn up to chapter 10 here in the book of Acts. We're going to stay right here in the book of Acts right now. Um, but I'm cutting away from my teaching of Acts chapter 2. But we're going to look at Acts chapter 10 right now. And here in Acts chapter 10 would be the very next time that speaking in tongues is referenced in the Bible after Acts chapter 2, right? And I'd like for you to look down with me and starting in verse 34 and see what the apostle Peter had to say 
after just witnessing the Holy Spirit fall upon some people that he had preached Jesus to. Peter was very astonished to see for the first time the Holy Spirit came upon a group of people that were not Jewish. Okay? Up until this point in time, it was only Jews that were being born again and filled with the Spirit. So Peter was very amazed at what had happened. And in verse 34 here in Acts chapter 10, Peter began begins to speak, right? It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Now, I've touched on that verse in previous teachings because that's a key point there, right? Whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him, okay? But, but, but this is a wonderful truth here, right? We could spend quite some time on that subject alone, right? That God shows no partiality. But whoever, whoever fears him and, work right, and works righteousness is accepted by him. And I have taught on that topic in the past, right? But Peter goes on in verse 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things, of all things, right? Which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, from whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God. So there's the chosen right there, the ones whom God chose to show Jesus to, okay? Even to us, Peter says, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that or testify, it is he who was ordained by God to be judged of the living, to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Okay, so there we see that Peter testified of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like back in Acts chapter 2, he was proclaiming the wonderful works of God, right, in giving us his only begotten son. It is Jesus that will judge the living and the dead. And the prophets of old, Peter said, spoke of him as well. But look at what happens next in verse 44. It says, while Peter was still Speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Keep all this in mind, okay, because I'm going to be referring back to this, right? But you see, the gift, this gift of the Spirit, as verse 45 calls it there, calls it, it caused people to speak with tongues, that is, with other languages. But don't make, don't, don't jump to any conclusions here because there's a lot more to this study, okay? The word tongues in the original Greek is the word glossa or glossa, right? It's where we get our English word glossary from, and it indicates a language of words, right? But so that's what they spoke in, a language. But here we see tongues being called a gift of the Holy Spirit. And in this case, the Holy Spirit came upon these converts prior to them being baptized in water, 
right? Because we see that it goes on here and says, then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So Peter specifies here that these new born-again Gentile believers had received the Holy Spirit just as him and all of his other Jewish brethren that were there on that night of Pentecost, right? And just to finish out what Peter says here in verse 48, he says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Peter commanded them to be baptized. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So Peter made sure that these new born-again believers understood the importance of baptism, even though they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. Didn't matter. He commanded them to be baptized. Baptism is not something that should be ignored in the life of a believer in Jesus. It is something that is always commanded in scriptures. But let's look at the next occurrence now of speaking in tongues in the Bible. Turn up with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And we'll start reading in verse 1. So Acts 19.1. And it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Right? Because there are some things that we, we need to take notice here too, right? Uh, you know, first of all, verse, uh, it tells us there that they were disciples in these verses that we just read. So they were already believers. Verse 2 tells us that they were already believers, right? Back in Acts chapter 10, we saw where those Gentiles that Peter had preached to were not yet believers prior to pre Peter preaching to them. But these guys here were indeed already believers when Paul had come upon them. And Paul asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit when they believed. And the obvious answer was no. They were believers in Jesus, but they hadn't received the baptism of the Spirit. Right, Because they said, we never even heard of such a thing. So keep in mind that Jesus, when he was still on the earth, had been teaching his close inner circle of disciples that there was a Holy Spirit whom he would send to them. But otherwise, the Holy Spirit was not what Jesus was going around teaching about when he walked on the earth. Right, Other than he was teaching his disciples, telling them the Spirit was going to come upon them. Right, The Holy Spirit was something that Jesus knew his disciples would need in order to go and to preach. That is, to go out and to be witnesses of his throughout the whole earth. They needed that power to do it. And here Paul comes upon 12 believers that had not received the gift of the Spirit. They were disciples, yes, but at this point in time, they only knew so much. They knew the baptism of John. There was still more for them to learn. And many people are in that position today in their Christianity. There's much more to learn, which is the reason why you need to get into the Word of God and study it for yourself. And find these things out, right? But just because they didn't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit yet, it didn't mean they weren't believers, right? Just like back in Acts chapter 10, even those people were, even though those people in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house, they were not yet baptized, but that didn't mean they weren't believers because they had already received the gift of the Spirit. So a question that we will look at in just a little bit is, does every believer have the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence 
of speaking in tongues. We're going we're to look at that as we go on. But these 12 guys that we're looking at here, they were believers when Paul came upon them, right? Even before Paul had gotten there, they were believers, right? But let's read some more of the story. Verse 3, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So that was the first step. John prepared the way. What's the first step? In sending John to prepare the way, to prepare the way, what was the first step to coming to Jesus? Repentance. Okay? But we see some very good clarification as to what John's baptism was all about. Again, it was a baptism of repentance. It was done in water. And it signified that someone was expressing that they wanted to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And they so much so wanted to believe in Jesus that they were willing to, first of all, repent of their sin and then confess it before others. And even though it seemed that many people continued to be followers of John, John himself said that it was Jesus that everyone needed to, to follow. He must increase. He said, I must decrease. And John did indeed decrease. And Jesus did indeed increase, right? He, Jesus was the one that people needed to believe in. But in order to come to him, one must first repent, as was symbolically confessed with the expression of their baptism. When John baptized people, they were being baptized while actually confessing their sins because they were repenting of these sins. They were saying, this is the sinner I am. This is who I am. I need to be saved. So that was the prerequisite to coming to Jesus was first the repentance, right? But they were pronouncing that they were done with their old way of life. They were leaving the sin life behind. And the water was a symbolic washing. They were being buried. That is dying to themselves. Washed clean. And then coming up out of the water. Risen again unto a new life. Where they would be baptized in the spirit. Born again. And now walking in a newness of life. Being led by the spirit. Okay. Look at these 12 men here in this story. They had already repented. They were water baptized. And after Paul teaches them a little bit more, verse 5 says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the men were about 12 in all. That's how I knew there was 12 of them. Right. But this is interesting. Right. But let's do a quick review before we move on as we're talking about this topic of tongues. Acts chapter two, these Jewish believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in another language and became witnesses for Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10, one of those people that was baptized in the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 was Peter, and he was called by the Lord to, to later on in time, he, he was called to go to this group of Gentiles and share the gospel with them, and they were then baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke with tongues. And what did they do when they sp spoke with tongues? It said that they magnified God. And from that point on, the gospel would be preached to more Gentiles. Acts chapter 19, Paul came upon a small group of 12 believers, and they get the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And we are told that in addition to speaking in tongues, that they also prophesied. So again, moving on now, let's move forward now to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Please go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12.
And let's just go ahead and start reading in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now let's just pause right there for a moment. Paul is bringing up the topic here of spiritual gifts. Now we now remember, we looked at Acts chapter 10, where Peter was at the home of that man Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time upon a group of Gentiles, okay? And Peter, in his astonishment, made a statement. And this is what Peter said. Remember, he said, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, right? So it was evident at that moment that the Holy Spirit was indeed in that room where Peter was at that time, and more importantly, upon those believers. And, and again, part of that evidence was that they spoke with tongues and magnified God. But is that the only evidence of the Holy Spirit? Or what if someone does not speak in tongues? Does that mean they are not filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, let's continue on with our study, right? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Okay, so the Apostle Paul here is referring these believers in Jesus, right, that lived in the city of Corinth, back to a time when they were not believers in Jesus, They lived a life without the Spirit of the Lord. And they were into idol worship and all other kinds of things that people do when they're not led by the Spirit of the Lord. And there's quite an extensive list that goes on and on of what people do who are not led by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul's saying, you were once there. I was once there, right? Verse 3, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so again, Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You used to be ignorant when you lived like you used to live in idol worship and all those other things you used to do, all the other ways that you were led. But let me make something clear to you, Paul is saying here. It's easy to see when someone has the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying. The person that has the Holy Spirit is going to call Jesus their Lord. That's a key point. They're going to live a life surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, many people on the earth today may be called Lord, Lord so-and-so, Lord so-and-so, right? Not here in America, we don't do it, right? But in some countries, they may call somebody Lord. They may give somebody the title of Lord. But that's not what this is talking about. That's, that would be using a lowercase l, This is an all cap, L-O-R-D, Jesus Christ is your Lord. You're surrendered to him. You're obediently following the commands of your king. You're you're in the kingdom of God, surrendered to the king. And you've relinquished yourself to being a servant of the Lord. So we're not talking about some Sunday go-to-meeting Christian here. Right, that Monday through Saturday are living in sin and still fulfilling the lust of the flesh, being in, in, in and of the world, right? No, the Spirit-filled Christian, the born-again Christian, lives like Jesus is Lord. Paul also said in Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the difference with the person that has the Spirit of the Lord. Okay, so the, the Christian that has been baptized with the baptism that Jesus gives is the one filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, 
and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Plainly put, they live like they have a Lord that they are actually in submission to and actually being obedient to his commands. That is the true born-again Christian, and that's what Paul's pointing out here. This is how we know. And the question many people ask is, again, I'm going to bring this up again, is speaking in tongues the only evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay, so let's keep seeing what the Scriptures teach, right? Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Oh, okay, so now we find out that there's more to the gifts of the Holy Spirit than what we've seen thus far with this just the speaking in tongues. Because that's what we saw in Acts chapter 2. That's what we saw in Acts chapter 10. That's what we saw in Acts chapter 19, right? But now Paul says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So these are gifts of the Spirit, okay, as well. Just like speaking in tongues is, right? There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Notice what Paul mentions there in verses 4, 5, and 6. Diversities of gifts, he says, the Holy Spirit. Differences of ministries, the Lord, Jesus. Diversities of activities, God. So when it comes to all of these various activities, be they gifts, ministries, or just various activities, right, in the church, and remember, Paul's speaking to the church here, and we're going to see that as we go along. That is the body of believers, the born-again believers that gathered together there in Cornworth, right? But we see here in verses 4, 5, and 6, the work of the Father, the work of the Son, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? But there is not just one thing that happens when a person is filled with the Spirit. It's not just speaking in tongues. And look, let me, let me say this. I don't think that this matters, but just so you don't think I'm coming from a standpoint of, you know, a certain, I don't know, standpoint of some sort, whatever here. Let me just say that when I was saved, baptized, I was then filled with the Spirit, I then spoke in tongues. But I then was a person that became a witness. I went out and was preaching on the streets. I was preaching to people everywhere I went. I was telling people all about Jesus. I mean, I wasn't one of these guys shouting on the corners, but where I was, I was telling people about Jesus. Who I came upon, I was telling people about Jesus. And I wasn't doing it in the language of another person, but I had that that was just a gifting that the Lord gave me. And we'll see as we look at some scriptures later, what that was doing was edifying me and building me up. It had no benefit. My speaking in tongues never had no benefit in the body of Christ. I never, I never spoke in tongues in a church, still haven't to this very day. Or if I have, I've never spoken in tongues out loud where someone hears it. Because if I do, there needs to be somebody there that interprets it. So I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But I just wanted to bring that up right now just to say, well, that was a gift that the Holy Spirit gave to me. But the way it empowered me, the way it edified, it edified me is it gave me power to go out and preach to people, which I was doing back in those days, in the early days of my Christianity. I mean, I still tell people about Jesus. This is the way I do it now. I do it with this gift, the gift of teaching. This is how I do it now, okay? So anyway, picking it back up here, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, this is important right here, okay? When the Spirit is moving in the life of a born-again believer, that believer is doing things, doing works that profit others within the body of Christ, right? Or they're doing things that are leading people to Christ. Like I said, was the case with me. I was going out and leading people to Christ, telling people about Jesus, seeing people getting saved and such, okay? But in the church setting, people have various gifts, 
There, and we're going to talk about that, but there's all kinds of gifts that people can bring into a body of believers that gather together. Okay? It's not just speaking in tongues, okay? nor is it just teaching. Okay? There's various things, and we're going to read about that. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. Verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So we see that tongues is just one of the gifts that believers have. And just like every other gift, right? It's unique. And Paul's going to talk about that as we go on later, right? But just like in Acts chapter 2, where others were coming to Jesus as a result of hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language, right? And there are so many different languages in this world, aren't there? The reason we see tongues as a gift of the Spirit in the early church especially is because the foundation of the church was being led and the Spirit was working in that way to magnify God in the lives of others that didn't speak the same language as these Jewish believers did that were in the upper room that night. They didn't speak the language of all those people out in the street, but it was time for God to be, for Christ to be proclaimed, right? The gospel, the truth of God to be proclaimed in, out, in all the world, to go forth into all the world. It was time for that. So now the Holy Spirit came upon these believers and they spoke in other tongues, right? In Acts chapter 10, again, when we saw the Spirit came upon those Gentiles, they too spoke, spoke with tongues. Well, now so that they can now go to other Gentile ethnic groups, right? And speak to them and tell them the wonderful works of God. When Paul came upon the 12 that were in Cornmouth, they again, they didn't even know that the Holy Spirit even gave gifts at all. They were filled with the Spirit, spoke with tongues, and used that gift of tongues to, to verbally speak for God. They prophesied. Okay, when you verbally magnify God, it leads others to God. And we all have the ability to do that in our own language, in our native tongue, our primary language, right? We can all magnify God, tell others about God and lead them to the Lord. If the Holy Spirit so desires, though, that you were to go to a place where people don't speak your primary language, and maybe he wants you to magnify God amongst those people, then maybe the Holy Spirit will give you the gift of tongues to do so. In that instance, right? That's up to him. That's one way tongues can be used. One way, okay? We'll talk about that. But, one, but verse 11 goes on and says, One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So what Paul brings up here, he's talking about the physical body and he says, hey, just like our physical body is made up of body parts, so it is in the body of Christ with the believers in Jesus. We all have different roles. We all have different gifts of the Spirit that we can use. For me, again, this is what I do. This is what I do to edify the body of Christ, but also I do this to reach out to others, okay? To reach out to others that may be considering or may be wondering. And maybe you're somebody that's just stumbled upon this teaching sometime, in the future here, right? You've stumbled upon this, right? And you're starting to hear things about the Word of God. Verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, 
whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one, one member, but many. So look, right, today we have religions that say that if you don't speak in tongues, you are not saved. But this is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there is one spirit and that he, the Holy Spirit, works in various ways and distributes, distributes gifts as he wills to do. Speaking in tongues is just one of those gifts. As Paul points out in verse 13 there, the body of Christ is made up of people of all ethnicities, right? But we are all baptized by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, and into one body, the body of Christ, which is a worldwide church. It's not a one denomination religion. Let's read some more here. Paul is going to keep using the analogy of the physical body as compared to the body of Christ, okay? It's made up of people that are baptized in the Spirit, the body of Christ. He says, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would, this, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, speaking of the body of Christ, right? Having given greater honor to that part which, it, which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Now take note of that right there. Another reminder that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives are for the benefit of others. Think about that. Gifts shouldn't cause division. One can't say, oh, you don't speak in tongues. Therefore, you're not part of the body of Christ. And one can't say, oh, I feel like I'm lacking because I don't speak in tongues. Right? Gifts shouldn't cause division. No schisms, right? This is clearly what the scriptures are teaching here. But again, the spirit works for the profit of all. Verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Okay, so do you see the congeniality of all of this here? If one is down in the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit can give a gift to one of us to go and come alongside of that person and go through their trial with them. Weep, through the, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, right? On the other hand, if something good happens in the life of someone else in the body of Christ, the spirit-filled person is not going to be jealous, but rather rejoice with that person. That's how the Holy Spirit works within us. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You see, though there is unity by the spirit in the body of Christ, there is also individuality. 
Not everyone can offer what the next person can. Okay, someone might go into a church, pick up a guitar, begin to sing and edify others while doing it, right? Or play an instrument of some sort. There are times I say, oh, I wish I could play an instrument of some sort. I don't. I don't play any instruments, right? But I rejoice for the one that does because he or she is using that gift to edify the body. And Paul's going to talk about some of that individuality here, though, starting in verse 28. He says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then the gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Notice again that tongues is just one of the gifts in the church. Paul is now going to reiterate these individual giftings of the Spirit here. In verse 29, he says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So look, folks, we see what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out by the Lord for the first time. Those that were baptized in the Spirit on that day spoke in other tongues, and they did so for a specific purpose. And they went out and they edified everyone else that was in Jerusalem on that day. And they spoke different languages that needed to hear the wonderful works of God. They spoke to different people of different languages that needed to hear the works of God, right? They needed to hear about Jesus, the Christ, the Lord of all, as Peter preached. He is Lord of all. That's what he preached to the people at Cornelius' house when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And that's what needs to be preached today. But we clearly see in the scriptures that not all speak with tongues. It's very obvious here. Just like everyone's not an apostle. Everyone's not a prophet. Everyone's not an evangelist. Everyone's not a teacher. Everyone's not a worker of miracles. Right? Yes, we should desire spiritual gifts, but the Holy Spirit is not limited to tongues and what he can do in the life of a believer. You know, what if someone started a religion where everyone in that group had to be a teacher of the Bible? Think about it like that. When someone says, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Well, let's just say that if you're not a teacher, you're not saved. And we started a church and we're all teachers. And someone walks in the church and and finds a hundred of us standing up on the stage teaching at the same time. That would be chaos. There would be no order to that. That would cause confusion. And the same holds true if you were to walk into a church and everyone is speaking in tongues. And Paul addresses that fact in in, uh, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. But you got to look at the scriptures logically. And you got to look at what they really say. Okay? Now look, I'm going long here, but I warned you in the beginning that I would, right? But I really want to wrap up as much as I can about this topic of tongues here, right? So bear with me for a little while longer here and turn to um, chapter 14 here in Corinthians. And I'm going to just skim through some verses here with you. I, I really encourage you to read them all, to read all the Bible. Um, but I'm just going to skim through some verses here. And I'm going to jump down to verse 5, okay, to start out here anyway. And, and Paul said, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So I want to point out a couple things here in verse 5. For one, Paul is simply saying that he thinks that prophesying 
is better than speaking in tongues. Because prophesying edifies others in the church. Now, tongues is good too. But Paul says if you are in the church and you're speaking in a language that others don't understand, what good is it unless there is someone to interpret what is being said? So therefore, the gift gift of interpretation is necessary in order for others to be edified. And remember, the gifts of the Spirit are for the profit of all, not just for yourself. It's not all about you. When you go to church, it's not about you at all. If you're gathering in a group of believers and you're saying, what can I receive? And this is unfortunately... What happens today, people judge churches like they judge a movie or like they judge a store. What can I get out of here? What's to my benefit? Does it have what my children need? Do I like the music? Is it my style of music or whatever it might be, right? That's not what the body of Christ is about. That's not what the church gathering is about. You go there, you have a gift, you should go plug into a church whether you like the music or not and use your gift there if they need your gift. Whether you like the children's ministry or not, go there and use your gift. Okay? Look at what Paul says in verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Right? In other words, tongues isn't going to profit somebody else, right? You see, in the body of Christ, when, when a group of believers gather, right, it's typically a group of believers. Look at your church. How many unbelievers are attending? Right? How many unbelievers are attending your church on a, on a given Sunday? It's a group of believers right now out there on the streets, out there in the world, like we saw in Acts chapter two, there are those that need to be saved. Right. There are those that need to hear the message of repentance, being baptized, being born again and being filled with the spirit. And if they don't speak your language and the Holy Spirit will use you to lead them to be born again, then the Holy Spirit will give you that gift of tongues as he wills, he'll give you that gift of tongues. If he needs you to go and speak to a people of another language, he'll give you that ability. Verse 18 says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So again, do you notice what Paul is pointing out here? In the church, there are believers, right? That's what a gathering of born-again Christian is for, like I said, right? It's, for, it's, it's a group of believers that are coming together for the edification of one another. There might be a Bible teacher standing up there teaching, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, Right? And maybe out of that group of people rises an evangelist, comes an evangelist, comes a missionary, comes somebody that goes out into the world and preaches the gospel to people of their own language, right? Or if they go to a group where there's, there's a language unknown, well, then they're going to have to have a gift to have that language. But the body of believers comes together, right, to edify one another, We are a group of people that is to be in the world, but not to be of the world. And the church is a gathering place where we all come together. Right? And a church gathering that is led by the Spirit, it's not a place of confusion where everybody's just speaking in tongues or everybody's up on stage teaching all at the same time. But it's a place of love and unity. And if you read chapter 13, which I'm not doing in this teaching, you'll find out that love is the more excellent way that Paul spoke of when when we saw at the end of chapter 12 there, right? 
But again, looking at what Paul says there in verse 18, tongues does not edify others. Paul is telling this church, tongue speaking, this tongue speaking speaking church in Cornwall, that they need to grow up. Look at verse 20. You'll see what I mean. He says, Brethren, do not be children in your understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. He's saying, come on, people. Grow up. Learn something here. Don't be causing division because you think speaking in tongues is everything. So you go around causing division with others. Or you think what your denomination does or believes or whatever is what everybody needs to be doing? Read the Bible. Read the Word of God. Get into it yourself and, and, and ask the Spirit to show you what you should be doing. Look at verse 21. In the law it is written, with men and uh, of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign. So Paul's using that verse 21 as the backbone of what he's saying here. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. So why are you even speaking in tongues around other believers? Unless you're interpreting it and something's happening in that way, right? But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So again, we see the lingual purpose of tongues, right? You go to a person that speaks a language, another, a different language than you. Verse 21 is saying that God would send people of other tongues to speak with other people groups, but many of them still wouldn't listen. You know, when, you know when they went out in the streets of Jerusalem that night? There were thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people there at the Feast of Pentecost. But you know the Holy Spirit added 3,000 to the church that night. It was a small percentage. Not everybody listened. So God said with, with men of other tongues, like in verse 21, with men of other tongues, I'll go to these people, but they still won't listen. Because they still were rejecting Jesus to this day. Not just Jewish people, many non-Jews, many Gentiles are still rejecting Jesus to this day, even though people came to them speaking in tongues. Right? But in many cases, right, they would be amazed, right, on that, and that night. There was a, a good group of people that were amazed that night at what was happening. But tongues is a great evangelistic tool. But in the church, in the body of Christ, in the gathering, it's of low priority. That's what Paul is pointing out. Love is of the highest priority in the body of Christ. Love. That's how people will know you are disciples of Jesus, by your love. Not because you go around judging them, on what they wear, what they don't wear, what they do or what they don't do. And in closing, let me take you backwards here real quick. Look up at uh, verse 1 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 1, pursue love. Paul just came out of that love chapter, chapter 13, and he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. So again, at the end of chapter 13, Paul said, desire, he said at the end of chapter 13, he said, desire the best gifts. So in other words, there are some gifts of the Spirit in the church as it relates to the gathering of believers. There are some gifts of the Spirit that are better than others, right? And we've talked about that already, right? So you desire the best gifts, right? The ones that you know can edify others because you're coming in not saying, you know, oh, you know, I, I've never been a good singer in my life. I don't know how to play guitar, but I'm desiring that I can do that. Now you're probably off base. 
You're probably off base with that. There's something that you already have that you can already bring in to the body of Christ, right? Anything from cleaning on up to teaching on the stage to, yes, performing uh, or, or not, I shouldn't call it a performance, but being on stage singing. You know, there, there's so many things in the body of Christ that needs to be done within the body of Christ, right? But we also must remember that there's so many things that need to be done out there in the world too. And maybe you're gifting, maybe you attend church and you gather with believers and you edify one another, but maybe your gifting's out there. Maybe you're gifted by the Spirit to be out there in the workplace where you are right now, at the job you're at right now, to share Jesus with somebody, even if it's a job you might hate. And I could tell you a story about that, right? But you may be at a job where you totally dislike it, but there's one person there that needs you to be there. They need to hear you magnify God by the Spirit, right? But I want to point out something that Paul says in verse 2 here. Let's go on. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, in the light of all the other verses we've looked at today, what what does this verse mean? What does it mean that when one speaks in in a tongue that is in another language or uh, he or she is speaking to God, and not to others, okay? Well, in Acts chapter 2, when the newly spirit-baptized believers were speaking in tongues, they were magnifying God, right? They were using their voice and speaking of his wonderful works out in the streets. And people heard them doing that, and they, uh, they were astonished because they were doing this in their own language, that wasn't, you know, wasn't their own. They're hearing this, right? But it was the language of the people that were listening. And if, for example, I showed up to a gathering of people that spoke Portuguese, and I myself, who don't know the language, um, I started speaking Portuguese to them and magnifying God. And none of these people knew God right? It would be like mysteries that I'm speaking. What's he talking about? He's saying all of this about God, but he's saying it in my language, right? It would be mysteries to them. And maybe it would be even a mystery to me because I didn't even understand the language that I was speaking, okay? But they understood the language that I was speaking. That would be a blessing to those people, would it not? Right? So again, verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So these people, when they're speaking in tongues, they were magnifying God, speaking into God, but their own understanding wasn't profitable in this. Right? But they're speaking to God. And others are hearing it and hearing all this wonderful works of God. And right here in verse 4 of Corinthians 14, it says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So look, there's nothing wrong with speaking in tongues, of course. It is indeed a gift of the Spirit, but it is a self-edifying gift. Because the one speaking in tongues is magnifying God, right, and building up their own faith, maybe, building up themselves between them and God, right? But the tongues that they're speaking has no benefits to the other person in the church unless someone is there to interpret it. Someone has that gift. And all the way down in verse 49, or excuse me, verse 39 and 40 of this chapter here, chapter 14, Paul says, And do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. And that's the bottom line. Spiritual gifts operating in the church are for the edifying of others. And therefore, it needs to be done decently and 
in order. There won't be any confusion and disorder when you do it that way. Okay, so today we've covered the first 12 verses of Acts chapter 2, and we've addressed the topic of speaking in tongues to a certain degree. Now, I say to a certain degree because I'm sure that there's more to study on it. I'm sure we can sit down and talk about it more. And I encourage you to do that, as always. Be in the Word of God yourself. Be like the Bereans, right? Go to the Word of God yourself and find out what is true. Maybe you've spent your whole life in a denomination that you grew up in of some sort, and it, it, it was set in its ways. But as you read the Word of God, and as you seek the Lord for spiritual gifts yourself, your eyes might be opened to things you didn't know, things you didn't comprehend. The bottom line is, too, is that you are an individual in Christ. Yes, you're part of a body, If you are in Christ, you're part of a body of believers, but you are an individual who God wants to use, whom the Holy Spirit wants to give you gifts to use. Okay, but you must humble yourself and be willing to say, hey, my gift is not to be on stage in front of everybody. My gift is to be behind the scenes and never seen. Right? So seek the Lord your God in regards to all of this. Once again, if you have any questions, you can go to our website to the contact form. Our website's on the screen here. Go to the contact form and reach out to us if there's any way that we can pray for you or help you in your spiritual growth in any way, shape, or form. But God bless. Thanks for watching, and we will see you next time.